Actually, Ben is on a much-deserved vacation and will not be in the pulpit this Sunday and next. Joshua has been very busy with worship team, so we're working our way down the depth chart to the third and fourth string. I'll let you decide if I'm the third string or Carl is. And Joshua let that cat out of the bag a little bit earlier, but you'll get to hear Carl preach next week. Just when I thought this was going to be a little bit of Craig unedited because my lovely wife Kathy was going to be in the back teaching, she surprised me by getting someone to fill in is now sitting there next to Sydney. So we might have to make a few changes on the fly. Thank you. The title of my sermon today is What's Your Ministry? I'm going to spend some time challenging each and every one of you uh, how to be involved in ministry, whether it's here at church or someplace else. We're going to start by reading a scripture and then a word of prayer. So if you want to join me in Romans 12, verses 6 through 8, or also it'll be up on the screen. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Dear Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to serve, the opportunity to use our gifts. Lord, I pray that uh, over the course of the next 20 to 30 minutes, that you speak through me and that each and every person can examine their hearts and determine what their gifts are and maybe how they can further your kingdom by using them. Our opportunities are many. We can serve in our church, at our place of employment, in our neighborhoods, and if you are a student, you can serve in your school and on your team. Let's start with how you can serve here at church. Up on the screen, you'll see a list of some of our current ministry team leaders. I'd like to highlight them and some of the good work that happens here at Prairie View. We have Don Mulder that leads our women's ministry. Joshua Walker leads our men's ministry. Linda Ayton, our fellowship ministry. Mark Kinsey, our green team. Nancy Kinsey, our clean team. Matt Zimmerman, our facilities and maintenance. I lead the sports team. Nancy Kinsey leads the kids' kingdom. Lori Heinzman does greeters and servers. Nancy does hospitality. And Tom Coors and Joshua Walker combine to lead the worship team. I want to tell just a couple of stories about some things that I've been made aware of over the course of years on some of these ministries. The first ministry I want to speak to is the green team. Mark Kinsey has led this team for as long as I can remember, probably longer than 15 years. I have memories of Mark riding the tractor at our old property on Lantern Road with Joel, Ian, and Hannah riding along on the tractor. I'm not sure if Mark or anyone else has ever put pen to paper to determine the financial impact of this ministry and the impact it has had around the country and the world. That's right, the impact around the country and the world because people are willing to give up their time to cut the grass and put the mulch down and trim the weeds. Let's do the math. One cut a week for April through September, that's 26 cuts a year. At a conservative estimate of $200 per cut, that's $5,200 a year and $78,000 
over 15 years. Subtract the price of the equipment and the gas and some of the other materials, and my guess is that Mark and his group of volunteers have saved this church between forty dollars and $50,000 over the course of his ministry. Without that money, maybe our missions budget would have been cut and we would not have been able to send money around the country and around the world. We spend $11,000 a year to send to our missionaries. Right here locally at Third Phase and, and multiple student ministries across the country with ministries like Pine Haven and throughout the world with ministries in Ireland and Haiti. If we had to spend $5,200 a year to cut the grass, our missions budget might be cut in half. Thank you to Mark and his team for making a difference around our country and around the world. We spend a lot of money on benevolence here also. Maybe without that money, some of the dozens of people we have helped over the years would not have had help with their gas, their utilities, their medicine, their mortgage payments. There would have been a lot of people who went without. Part of my roles on a leadership team is I get to sign the checks. And Nancy is willing to give me checks at any time, anywhere. We've, I've signed checks on the volleyball court, that small group here in the office. Um, wherever we might run into each other, I always ask her, do you have checks for me to sign? Recently, I had the opportunity to sign some checks for a benevolence uh, request of a, of a lady I've had a chance to meet. She has five kids and a husband, one vehicle, and the husband was recently put out of work. They were getting into a hole, and it was a big hole, and they needed help, and they didn't know where to turn. Um, I sent her to the way of Nancy and the benevolence team, and within a few short days, we were signing checks to help her out. Maybe she was one that wouldn't have been able to have been helped had the green team not been faithfully serving for so many years. Another ministry I'd like to highlight is our small group ministry, how we can get plugged in right here. Does that slide ring a bell to you, Kim? The small group scoop. I got to tell you, the only thing that got me over there is I thought it had something to do with ice cream. I had my, uh, my little booth set up, and I'm uh, looking over there, and hopefully uh, Kim and Mike can remember the day. It was before I was involved with small groups, and uh, I was wandering around the church looking at all of the different opportunities I could have to, uh, to be involved, and, and I wandered up to, to Kim and Mike, and uh, Kim, with her smile on her face like she always had, says, Craig, you really should get into a small group. And I said, what do I need a small group for, Kim? She says, you'll meet some people and you'll make some friends. I said, i got plenty of friends. That wasn't true. You can always have more friends. Maybe I had more friends than I thought I had. I don't know. She said, you'll grow in the Word. Why would I want to do that, Kim? I know all I need to know with my arrogant self. And we continued to negotiate back and forth uh, for a while. And thanks to Kim and Mike Davidson, uh, I've been in small groups for eight or nine years now and have led a small group for the last several years and have had the opportunity to pray with, share stories with, meet with people faithfully probably 20 to 30 weeks a year for the last eight years. Thank you, Mike and Kim Davidson, for serving in this ministry. The first time I took a ministry team leader role, it was something that wasn't quite in what I would call my wheelhouse. I remember being part of the administration team and reviewing the budget. And I remember that our third largest expense outside of occupancy and salaries was cleaning. We were paying $10,000 a year to have the small building on Lantern Road cleaned. 
And I went to the leadership team and I said, you know what, you've entrusted me to be on this administration team. You've entrusted me to help evaluate the finances. I find it odd that we're spending $10,000 a year to clean this building. And uh, the elders at the time um, said, you know what, we can't figure out another way to get it done. And I said, well, why don't we try to get some volunteers? And my good friend Rick Ayton says to me, are you volunteering? I said, I guess I am. That was probably one of those things I should have ran by Kathy before I uh, did it. But I'm telling you, for four years, myself and my family, and when I say my family, both my kids were here. Um, and if I told you I didn't draw great pleasure in watching my then 12 or 13-year-old son scrub toilets, I'd be lying to you. Um, but I'll be darned if my daughter didn't use it as a ministry opportunity. And the next thing you know, three or four of her friends were coming to help clean the church building on Thursday nights. You'd be surprised what kids will do for a trip to the Dairy Queen. And I'd be lying if I didn't say I didn't have a few blizzards as well. You know what? But I also had faithful volunteers. Many times I'd look out the window once we moved to the new building and here would come Linda Ayton with her mop and her bucket over her shoulder. My mop and bucket here wasn't good enough for Linda. She had this special mop and I heard a lot of stories about this mop. And, uh, but you know what? Each and every week for years she was here helping me clean this building. Kim Coors vacuumed Hours and hours and hours in this building to help that ministry. Um, Dawn Mulder, when she was working with the youth group uh, back then, and that was another great uh, thing, we would have to get the building clean before Dawn and Derek would come in with the kids, and on occasion she'd have the kids help us clean. A gal named Carol Boyer that many of you may not remember, again, logged thousands, maybe thousands might be a stretch, logged a lot of hours on the vacuum um, when it comes to, to helping clean this building. A few years back, we transitioned that out of my area of responsibility, and Nancy took over um, the ministry and cleaning and getting the supplies and whatnot. And I'll be darned if there's not still people cleaning this building on their own time, multiple times every month, and that's uh, Erica and Austin Trusty. They're here evenings during the week. I've run into them when I've come in for a meeting, and they're in here scrubbing floors, vacuuming, and doing all those things so that we can use that $10,000 a year we used to pay to further God's work around the country, and around the world. So if you think that making coffee, if you think that cutting grass, if you think that mopping floors isn't helping people, you're wrong. Because that's saving us money that allows us to do ministry right here locally and around the world. Please join me in praying for our ministry team leaders. Dear Father God, we've just been so blessed with volunteers here at this church. Lord, we thank you so much for the people who have been willing to give not only of their time and their treasure, but also their talent. Um, Lord, uh, we couldn't do it without them. Lord, we thank you for each and every one of the volunteers on that list and the several that I'm sure I missed and each and every person who contributes here at Prairie View. Now, for those of you with leadership as a gift, if you saw Nancy's name on that list a few too many times, that's opportunity knocking. We've got opportunities for you. If uh, you want to be involved in one of the current ministries, if you want to lead a ministry, uh, if you don't see a ministry that is going to work for you and you want to start your own ministry, you let us know. Make certain you get in contact with Ben or one of the elders. What's your ministry? Outside of serving at church, I would challenge those of you who are employed, you could be serving in your job as well. Please join me in reading from 2 Timothy verse 2. Or chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. 
Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. I want to talk briefly about my friend Terry Mulder. Terry works in a leadership role in the manufacturing industry, and I've heard numerous times of when Terry has offered work to people who have turned in benevolence requests. We've sat around our meeting tables, and as we debate and we talk about some of the folks who have wandered into our building, one of the first things out of Terry's mouth is, do they need a job? And he's willing to talk to, interview people, and offer opportunities to people who otherwise might have one. I got to know Terry a little bit better when we were in small group together and learned about some of the people that he works with that he's been able to minister to over the course of the years. He's done things like offer people rides, change work schedules, and do everything that he can to make his long-term people successful. Terry is truly someone who cares about others and demonstrates that in the workplace. Thank you, Terry. I have a personal story about a friend of mine. And I call him a friend because it's truly what he is, even though he started as a co-worker. His name is Darren Wilson. I worked with him for about eight years in Muncie. And I was doing some of the math the other night, and I was shocked to say that over that course of time, I've probably shared 3,000 meals with my friend Darren. I eat breakfast and lunch at work every day. We work together multiple days a week, and uh, he was that one of those people that uh, I struck up uh, some common interest in, and we would, uh, we would eat together twice a day for most days a week for eight years. And over the course of time, we not only talked about work, we talked about family. You know, I certainly know his wife's name and his three kids' names and what type of activities uh, they're involved with. And during that time, certain things would come up as he would say, you know what, I had to give baths tonight and I had to help with homework tonight. And uh, I'd say, you know what, uh, you know, I coached a baseball game and um, tomorrow night I have small group. Small group? What is small group? Well, that's when eight or ten of us gather together and we meet in somebody's house and uh, um, we study God's Word with all sorts of relevant topics, whether it be your marriage or your children or any number of the 15 or 20 different small groups I've uh, participated in in the last uh, seven or eight years. He said, well, that sounds kind of neat. We're talking about working Sundays, you know. You'll notice that I'm not here once a month. I have to work on Sundays. And neither one of us like to work Sunday, but we get the fact that it's, it's part of the job. And, uh, and uh, I talk about, you know what, I just really hate to miss church. And he says, oh, where do you go to church? So I told him where I go to church. Prairie View Christian Church, 141st in Allisonville. And I'll be darned if I didn't eventually wear him down over the course of years where he would come to play volleyball here with us at the church. Uh, he came to listen to me talk the last time I had the privilege of delivering the sermon. Uh, and I'm excited to say a couple years back, uh, Darren was baptized. And it was just from, just started at the lunch table one day by me saying, what are you doing tonight? And that friendship grew over the course of years where we are now brothers in Christ. Ministry doesn't have to stop when you go home. I'm reminded of a sermon that Steve Mazingo gave a few years back. And he was talking about if you really wanted to, you could drive your car home from your job, get within about 50 yards of your home, click your garage door remote, drive by all of the activity in your neighborhood, end up parking your car in your garage, hitting the remote, hustling into the house, and never having to deal with any of your neighbors. 
I thought, wow, isn't that the truth? And aren't I glad that I live in a neighborhood that's not like that? What's your ministry? Your neighborhood. We're going to refer to Scripture in Mark chapter 12, verse 31, and just remind everybody of one of God's commandments. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So love your God and love your neighbor. Fortunately, my neighbors make it easy. A couple things that I'd like to highlight in my neighborhood. And the first one, I just added this in this morning as I was uh, as eating breakfast, as I was trying to highlight the things that, uh, that go on in our neighborhood. Some of them I'm willing to talk to, some of them not so much. Um, probably 10, 12 years ago, my phone rings, and we probably just got phones at the time. And it's my good friend Amy who lives down the block. And Amy had a flat tire. And her husband was at work, and she knew that working in my business, I have a day off during the week, which used to be Thursday. And she knew she'd probably be able to get a hold of me. She needed some help. I said, no problem, Amy. Where are you at? And I'll be darned, and then to preface this story, for those of you who don't know where I work, and that's probably not very many of you because I see some of you shopping there, and uh, I've been banging the Meyer drum for years up here on the, uh, on the stage. I said, well, you just let me know where you're at, and I'll come and change your tire. And I'll be darned if she didn't tell me Marsh. <laughs> Had she been at Walmart, she'd have been calling a tow truck. Um, but Marsh, I could deal with that. And you know what? It couldn't have been the Marsh at 116 in Allisonville. She was down off of uh, 82nd Street on the Marsh down between, uh, I think it's between Allisonville and Keystone. So, you know what? I guess the moral of the story was that, you know what? She knew who she could call. And you know what? Countless times I've known who I can call. Also in our neighborhood, we're at my friend Ted's house, and some of you have met Ted before, whether it's on the volleyball court or someplace else. We're watching the Pacers game, maybe eight or nine years ago, they were playing in the playoffs. And they were talking about Reggie Miller's foundation. And I opened my mouth, surprise, and I said, why do you need to be rich to have a foundation? Why do you need to be rich to help people? So at that very moment, we launched our own little neighborhood foundation. And it's called Step Up. And if you don't believe me... Yeah, I'll be darned if we didn't order the cute little rubber bracelets like uh, from the, like Lance Armstrong did. We've got a few left, and they say, step up on them. So what we've done faithfully for the last eight years is collect money amongst several of the core families in our neighborhood, get in contact with the Good Samaritans, find a name of a family that we could provide Christmas to that otherwise wouldn't have one. And you know what? Just like most things in our neighborhood, we made it a party. Uh, we meet and we shop. You'll never guess where. Uh, but we meet and we shop. And then we eat pizza at my house. And then we wrap all the presents. And then I contact the, the people. And that's really one of the joys of the ministry. I, I make the call. And I identify myself. And I say, hey, you know, my name is Craig Hunter. And my friends and I want to help you. And sometimes people cry. And sometimes they can't believe it. And sometimes they want to talk for an hour. Um, but we've met all sorts of different people during this time. And, you know, typically it ends with us delivering gifts to a house. You know, sometimes five or six of us go, sometimes eight or nine of us go. And we take bags full of wrapped presents into these houses. And many times we've had an opportunity to pray with the people there. 
Maybe that's the only time they bowed their heads last year. I don't know. But I think what we're doing is making a difference. And you know what? It cost each and every one of those families about $3 a week to make this happen. Getting back uh, a little bit, we all know who we can call when you need something. Are you one of those people in your neighborhood or at your job? I'll tell you about one of those people for me, and he's sitting in the back row, and that's my good friend, Matt Zimmerman. Man, if I had a dollar for every time I called that guy to help me out, I'd have a lot of dollars. Um, I've called him to fix things many times. If you ever, That guy knows how to fix everything. He has fixed my dishwasher, my garbage disposable, multiple light fixtures, plumbing issues, my garage door, helped us with cars, and my personal favorite, and a little story behind this as well, I, I'd be, I was at work one day and I called home to Sydney and I said, hey, mom and I are both working today. Can you see if you can get that driveway shoveled before we get home? I think she might have been a junior or a senior in high school. And she goes through the process of getting the pink snowsuit on and getting the new fuzzy hat down, pulled over her ears, and digging up the shovel. And she says, you know what, I get all that ready. If I go out there and stand there long enough, Matt will come over with a snowblower. <laughs> and sure enough, there he is. And you know what, I would like to think over the course of the years, Matt's been able to call me for a few things too. But I've never fixed anything of his. Uh, I can tell you that. Um, but uh, a few years back, I had the opportunity of, uh, actually probably eight or nine years, uh, Kathy and I, the, the more we got to know Laura and Matt, the more we realized we needed to invite them to be a part of our church family as well. Several years ago, I had the privilege of baptizing Matt, making us brothers in Christ forever. I love you, Matt. What's your ministry? Your friends? Kids out there, pay close attention. You guys are busier than you've ever been before. What does that mean to me? More opportunities for ministry. More opportunities to share your faith. Please join me in reading from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Next slide on the screen is going to be a picture of our thriving youth group in the year 2010. Take a look at that. I, mean, I didn't count the people. I, le I recognized a lot of the faces. Um, there was probably 40 people or so at that particular event. And I want to give some, but not all, of the credit to Mike and Nicole Winsack, uh, who took a youth group of six to eight people and grew it to something like that. But as I've had multiple conversations with kids in my home about what makes the youth group, it's the youth. And had there not been people in that group, like Hannah Ellsworth, Kyle Heinzman, my daughter Cindy, Sydney, I really do know your name, honey, sorry. I see both the Aitons in here, I see both the Paffords in here, I see a lot of folks that were a part of those youth groups over the course of the years. And they had the courage to invite their friends I see people in this room who invited their friends, and otherwise their friends may not have ever been in a church. I'll share just a couple of stories with you. 
I recall specifically meeting a young man named Rocky, who Hannah invited to church. Rocky came and became a faithful attender and contributor. This summer, I got a letter from Rocky letting me know that he'd be serving God over in Africa and wanted help raising money for that. Let me tell you, it was an easy check to write, knowing what he was going through. Now, Hannah has done her thing by inviting Rocky. And the next thing you know, there's a young man named Nate floating around my house in my backyard and showing up at youth group. And I said, well, where'd Nate come from? Well, he runs cross-country with Rocky. So now, Hannah's invited Rocky. Rocky has invited Nate. This is getting awfully close to the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Um, we, can, we can backtrack these things to the original eight or ten members of our youth group. Nate has also served God overseas and across the world doing mission trips. That was another easy check to write. And if you know me, there are not a lot of easy checks to write. Another young man named Patrick Stevens, who I got to know over the course of the years, showed up in youth group, developed a relationship with our student minister, and the next thing you know, he's leading a small group in the locker room and going on an internship down in Tampa, Florida, being a part of All Pro Dads, sponsored by Tony Dungy. The core group of kids in this group had the courage to invite their friends. I challenge each and every one of the adults in the room to have the courage to invite your friends and see if we can't bring other people to Christ. Kids, do not underestimate your ability to make a difference for God. Please pray with me for our youth. Dear Father God, as I look around this room, I see a lot of folks that came through the youth group who are now through college and in their 20s, and hopefully they can look back and they can look at the, uh, the time of uh, personal growth in the Word. They can look at the growth in relationships, and they can look at the fact that they grew closer to you. Lord, there are also a lot of current members of our youth group. And Lord, I just challenge those kids to stay strong, to stay faithful. And I remind them that at one time we had a youth group of six or eight people that ballooned to 40 or so. I sense that is about to happen again. And I ask that each and every one of the youth here be willing to be a part of that. Lord, we thank you for the youth here at Prairie View. It's your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we get closer to the, uh, our, the end of our time here together, I want to challenge the church leaders amongst us. It's all about the great ask. If you're a ministry team leader, if you're a, an elder, if you're on the administration team, you've got to be willing to ask people to serve. We've got to build a bench. Let's face it, Mike and Rick aren't getting any younger. I'm reminded of the first person who ever asked me to serve here. His name is Tim McCartney. Some of you may remember him. His wife's name was Kelly. And I really don't know how he determined that I would be a good fit for this. But I specifically remember I was standing around talking to somebody, and he walked right up to me and he says, You seem to enjoy talking to people. I said, what would give you that impression? Probably because I'm talking most of the time. He was in charge of the greeters and servers ministry. So after we had been going to church here just for a short period of time, we were moved to the front door along the front lines, and I was given the speech. 
This is the most important job in the church, Craig. You're going to be right there representing Prairie View with a smile on your face. So make certain that you're there on time, make certain that you're presentable, and make certain that you're giving it everything you've got at that front door. Seventeen years later, Kathy and I are at that front door um, saying hello, passing out programs. So for those of you who have not yet been plugged into a ministry, that requires that you get to church 15 minutes early, once a month. See Lori Heinzman to get plugged in. That was an easy one for me to get involved in. The harder one came a few years later. And I'll be honest with you, I was rather apprehensive before I took folks up on this. Every year they have elder nominations, and I remember getting multiple phone calls. The first one from our former pastor, Steve Mozingo, letting me know that I was nominated for elder. And I'm pretty certain is what we would call a courtesy call. Because he let me know in no uncertain terms that he didn't really feel that that was the right role for me. And I really wasn't qualified at that particular point in my walk with Christ. I thanked him for the nomination. I thanked him for calling me. And you know what? I kind of pushed it to the back burner. Didn't really ask any questions about what I needed to do to move forward. I'll be darned if two years later I didn't get a call from Marvin Logan letting me know that I've been nominated for elder. And I'm trying to think to myself, who is this person who keeps nominating me? And I have no idea to this point. Um, and I asked him a few more questions because I wasn't quite as intimidated by Marvin as I was by Steve, who was quite possibly one of the most godly men I've ever met in my life. And it was easy for me to look at Steve and say, you know what, I just don't measure up. I can't serve in that capacity. But Marvin had me intrigued, and we spent some time together and uh, discussed a little bit about what the roles and responsibility were uh, of elder. I took the information a little more seriously this time and committed to getting back to him, which I did in, within a couple of days, and politely declined the nomination. The following year, I got a call from my friend Rick Ayton, and I remember specifically I was up in the bedroom getting ready to, uh, to change to go out and exercise, and the conversation went a little deeper. And I said, you know what, Rick, what's really holding me back is I just don't feel that I'm good enough. He says, Craig, let me tell you, I don't think I'm good enough either. And we went on and we chatted for a few minutes about uh, some of the things that I would consider my shortcomings, and come to find out after a while... Rick and I had some of the same shortcomings. And you know what? That was the first time I ever prayed about it. You know what? Should I be on the leadership team here at Prairie View? Is this a right fit for me? But I politely declined again. And I think they thought they were wearing me down. But the following year, they sent Joshua after me. And Joshua knows his way to my heart, and I'll be darned if we weren't at the pancake house. <laughs> and there, it went a little bit deeper. And he said, Craig, what we want you to do is come to a class that we're going to have, and we're going to fully explain the role. Um, there's a book that we're going to study, and the author's name was Strock, I believe. And we went through, I don't know how many weeks it was, six or eight weeks, where we learned about biblical leadership and about what it took to do that job. And now, through phone calls and investigation and prayer and preparation, I thought now might be the time. So that year, my name was put on the ballot 
and I was elected to be an elder at the church. And I think that was six or seven years ago at this time that I've been serving. But I can tell you over the course of that time, I have served with some of the best men that I've ever met. And I can tell you that I've developed friendships with some of the best men that I've ever met. And I can tell you, for those of you who've been through it, we've been through some very difficult times and late night meetings and a lot of gut-wrenching things over the course of those years. And I can tell you that I'm proud to call someone like Joshua a friend of mine. And I can tell you that, you know what, had Joshua and I met in school or in the neighborhood, we probably really don't have a whole heck of a lot in common. As, uh, not to mention, I think he's 15 years younger than I am. He grew up in a Christian household. I couldn't tell you if I ever stepped foot in a church when I was uh, growing up, being in junior and senior high school. I can tell you that he's probably the smartest person I've ever met, um, from things like perfect scores on the SATs to a master's degree in physics at a very young age. And uh, I joke with people and tell them I went to the school of hard knocks. Um, but I was a C student in high school and never went to college. But our paths have connected. And over the course of time, I taught Joshua how to play softball. I'm not certain he ever had a glove on his hands uh, before the few years back when uh, we went out and tried it. I've spent time with Joshua on the golf course, um, teaching him how to play golf. And for those of you who've ever seen me play golf, I'm horrible. So it was uh, certainly the blind leading the blind. But I can tell you that Joshua has taught me so much more than that um, and drawn me closer to God and challenged me and made me develop myself and take risks and really grow in my relationship with God. Even while I was on vacation in Florida, I read the Wall Street Journal for the first time. I had to take a picture of it on my phone and send it to him so he would believe it. Yeah. I certainly could have seen myself becoming friends with someone like Carl. I mean, we both love sports. We have uh, older kids. Believe it or not, we say we both have a type A personality, enjoy the same types of things. Um, and the same can be said for all of the guys on the team. But it's been such a privilege to serve with each and every one of those men. Who amongst us are the next church elders and ministry team leaders? In a group this size of 80 to 100 people, there's people out there. This morning I asked uh, Joshua, who was doing communion, I said, Dave Richards is. I said, excellent. Now I've only got to do it once every eight weeks if we can get him in the rotation. I'm running out of original material. Um, but it was just a pleasure to see him walk up on this stage and deliver a solid meditation for both communion and offering. Thank you for serving. As I close, I want to share one more piece of scripture so that when you are thinking about meeting the needs of your family, your co-workers, and your neighbors, your friends, think about what we are told in James 4.17. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do it and doesn't do it, sins. Pretty clear, isn't it? As I was talking with uh, Kathy and Sydney over the course of the week during preparation, I said, is that a little bit hard-hitting to finish things up with? Anyone who knows the good he should do and doesn't do it sins. And I thought to myself, we are a group of sinners, 
So it's the truth. So I challenge each and every one of you to examine yourself. On the leadership team, we call that see a need, meet a need. A few weeks back, I began to think we overused that a little bit as we were at a small group at the Paffords' house and we had got done and we had prayed. And Just like Little League, we have snacks. I don't know if other small groups are like that. We have a little snack schedule. We usually have juice boxes and some sort of... Uh, no, we don't have juice boxes, but uh, some sort of snack time. And uh, there was an extra lemon bar at the end. And uh, Joshua, for those of you who don't know, has quite a sweet tooth. And I, I hollered over to Joshua, who was on the other side of the room, I said, Joshua, you want the last lemon bar? As he breaks out into a jog, he says, see a need, meet a need. And he walks over and he had that thing in his hand in no time. But that's my challenge to each and every one of you. In a church our size, we need everybody. We need everybody. Whether it's, and again, I, I changed the Romans verse a little bit. If it's teaching, teach. If it's giving, give. If it's making coffee, get here a half an hour early and help us make coffee. If it's cutting grass... See Mark Kinsey and join the green team. If you have what you might think is an outgoing personality, see Lori Heinzman and get hooked up at the front door. But I want each and every person here to decide what they can do at their church, in their neighborhood, at their job, with their friends, and then go out there and be bold and do it. What's your ministry? Your life. So as Ben took a vacation from his ministry, it gave me the opportunity to step into the role and share with you some of my ministry opportunities. As far as I know, Ben is the only person in the room formally trained in a Christian university to be a pastor. All of us need to learn it. We need to get it figured out. So if you need help with that, I would encourage you to see Ben, see one of the elders, see somebody so that we can help get you plugged in. It all starts with asking people. It all starts with people examining their hearts and finding out what they can do. What's your ministry? Your life. Please pray with me. Dear Father God, we thank you for our lives. Lord, those of us that have accepted your Son Jesus as our Savior, we thank you for eternal life. Father, we are challenged that while we are in this life, even though it's not for very long, that we make the best of it and that we be willing to serve you. And Lord, we have found out here this morning that everything we do at this church can be magnified. That by people volunteering their time here, that's freeing up our resources to send it across the country and around the world. Lord, there are people we work with that may not know who Christ is. Do they know by looking and talking and by our behavior that we're Christians? Lord, there are people in our neighborhood that we may live next door to or across the street from that we may not even know their name or their story. Lord, give us the courage to be out there on the street, be out there meeting the folks, be out there sharing our faith. While our children are in school and at their games, give them the courage to behave in a way that is pleasing to your son, Jesus. Uh, give them the courage to make those formal invitations. 
Give them the courage to keep their head held high and to proclaim proudly that they follow your son, Jesus, and that they can bring their friends along with them. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity I had to share this morning. I love you so very much. It's your son, Jesus' name I pray. Amen.